I'll introduce myself. Um, many of you I know, uh, quite a few I don't. I work, I work a swing shift on the weekends quite often, so about half the time I'm not here. And uh, other times I'm downstairs, I teach in the elementary classes, the second and third, first, second, third, kindergartner, second and third. So uh, quite often I'm down there. And uh, so maybe once a month or so I see you all up here, and I'm, I'm glad with our uh, dismissal process that the kids are up here so I get to see more of you more often. But uh, that's why maybe I'm not as familiar looking. Also, I got this strange growth on my face, which is not normal. But shortly that'll be going away. It's just kind of a tradition thing. But uh, we'll take care of that. When I'm downstairs, second and third grade, uh, some of those little guys are pretty rambunctious, and, and girls. We don't want to be exclusive on the boys. but uh, So one of the ways we keep them under control is if you can't behave and you start throwing stuff around and you're crawling on the table and underneath the chairs and stuff, uh, usually there's a helper there with me, and I say, we're going to have... Noah or some other person bring you upstairs and sit by your parents. Uh, and that usually takes care of things. So I thought we'd implement the same thing today up here. I've alerted the ushers that if uh, they notice you getting out of hand, they're going to take you downstairs by your kids. And uh, I know for some of you this is a break. And uh, if you don't have kids, it's a real shocker because, uh, yeah. And I, I won't uh, I won't point out any names, but uh, yeah, it's sometimes it's a challenge down there. And I want you to know that um, I take that uh, responsibility very seriously um, to teach your little ones the truth, point them to Jesus, and we'll see how this goes this morning. If we get to the end. And we're all uh, pointing towards Jesus. I know I've done my job all right. So here we go. The last several weeks, we have been uh, studying the series Mountaineering with the Master. And if you have your Bible with you, you can open it to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll look at uh, where we've been and where we're going. We've got the Beatitudes uh, listed here. And you can see them up on top. Uh, I haven't included the the result of what it is to be blessed, but we can we can read through them. Blessed are the poor in spirit; theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle or meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And that's where we're going to uh, launch in today. And they go on again to be blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who have been persecuted. And uh, I know we all want to get to that one And uh, when men cast insults at you and revile you and stuff like that. But uh, today we're at hunger and thirst for righteousness. I live down by Cedar Grove, which 12, 13, 14 miles south of here, um, I work with a guy there that's my neighbor for 15 years, and uh, he's got a nice backyard with a pond, and once in a while 
we get together, we'll have a cup of coffee, and we'll be walking through the backyard uh, drinking our coffee. He's got a nice pond there and some landscaping and stuff, and we'll talk about how what's happening at work, the latest developments there and things like that. Well, he's also got a couple uh, labs, or he did have a couple black labs. So if you're walking around with your cup of coffee and you're talking about work and you're looking at the pond, and uh, you kind of got to watch where you step because it looks like you had a herd of bears come through the neighborhood, you know. So if you're not careful, you find yourself that you've stepped in something that's rather unsavory. I know Pastor John referred to that last week with his treadmill thing. And my goal today is to not step in something that he has to clean up again next week. So we're going we're gonna to try and keep it between the ditches here, keep it on the main path, and uh, not get into anything wild and crazy. So I imagine that this will be quick and painless. And uh, as you can see on the sides, we've got communion later, so uh, we'll end the service with that. But as I was looking at... Uh, the Beatitudes and listening to some other teachers that have uh, elaborated or expounded on this. I asked Erin if she would make a slide that uh, presented them in a little different order. And as you can see on the screen there, they're in kind of an ascending order, a stair-step pattern. And in my mind, as I look through these, uh, I didn't have any problem looking at myself as poor in spirit. Um, I've certainly had things, and I think most of us have, where we've been mournful in our life. Um, I'm not a real boisterous, outgoing person. Uh, I I have some firm convictions, but I'm not just going to throw them in your face, so I don't have a problem imagining myself as being in the meek and gentle category. But as we work our way up this, this ladder, uh, if I had to launch in at pure in heart, uh, that would give me pause. Um, I, I would say, gosh, Lord, you know, you know me. Uh, and then the one underneath that, merciful. You don't have to be a driver very long to figure out that it's difficult sometimes to be merciful. And uh, it can come on just like that. One minute you're driving down the road or getting to a stoplight, you think you should be able to make that corner down here at uh, Deer Trace, and the light changes and the guy in front of you is like, no, I can't make it. And you're like, you can make it, you can make it, make it. Um, Now, Pastor John often says, and this always, I always have to think about this when he says it, he says, don't hear what I'm not saying. And I always have to, don't, wait a minute, don't hear what you're not saying. It's almost like a double negative, but please don't misunderstand me as I have these arranged in this order. This is not some sort of uh, uh, ascension to sainthood. This is not a, uh, a, the rungs of a ladder that you get on and when you get to the top and you're in the, the peacemakers and the persecuted, you are more presentable before God. Uh, in my mind, maybe, maybe I should have had them laid out uh, in order flat. But in my mind, uh, 
there was a progression here. You start out here, and you work your way this way, and as you're living before God and striving to please him, uh, these are steps that you are taking as you submit to him and his will. In fact, uh, as I was looking at these, the first time when I knew what PJ wanted me to preach on, I turned to the wrong uh, verse, and I went to Matthew 6 instead, instead of 5-6, which is those that hunger and thirst. I went to 6-5, had a little dyslexic moment there, and this is what I read there. When you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. That brought to my mind, and I'm sure that that uh, Jesus had was referring to another parable that he had told in Luke 18, and I want you to listen to this. He also told this parable to certain ones who trusted him in themselves that they were righteous, and they viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. So what Luke put in there, he said, this is the parable he told to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were more righteous and viewed others with contempt. So if you look at that spectrum of beatitudes, one man was starting way up on the pure in heart, or at least he perceived himself so. The other man certainly started at the other end of the spectrum. And... uh, Jesus certainly instructed us when we come to him to start down here, work our way up in dependence towards him, and uh, then we would enjoy the rewards of the further up the line, the merciful ones where we receive mercy and pure in heart peacemakers and the persecuted. So let's look specifically at the one that we were going to study today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now you'll, you'll also notice, I'm a little bit old school, uh, still got the paper Bible. Way back 40 plus years ago, <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, I got started in typing class, and uh, after about the first week I was like, when am I ever going to need to know how to type in my life? And uh, so now it is, unfortunately, quite a painful process to uh, type things out and put them down electronically. So thus, the uh, paper notes here. 
A few short days from now, later this week, we will be uh, celebrating uh, a time of feasting. And uh, as the preparations happen this week, and I would imagine Wednesday or Thursday as things start coming together, the smells of what you see on the screen will start wafting through your house and you start developing a hunger. And strangely enough, a few hours later, you can't hardly think about uh, that next piece of turkey that you have. And as the days go on afterwards, you are fully satisfied to the point of being sick of turkey. But we want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, if we approach... If we approach it like the few days after Thanksgiving, like this Pharisee did, when we are completely full of ourself, we won't have any room to be hunger or to be hungry for righteousness. So if you perceive yourself on that rung of the ladder to start with, you've already slipped back down all the way to the bottom. You're poor in spirit. You don't even, you don't even realize where you're at. But uh, it's how we, how we proceed and how we uh, address. And I want to make something clear. When I say how we do that, and like I'm preaching to you, any time I ever prepare for either downstairs or up here, uh, it becomes about me and uh, where I'm at. And it's strange that even when you're teaching kindergartners through third graders, and you study a lesson about the Ten Commandments, um, all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not teaching these guys. This is for me. And uh, in my capacity to serve you here as an elder at Southside, I have to, I have to humbly admit, when I go through that list and I look, I come up short. Um, I'm... 60 years old is, is coming into view. I'll be 58 this winter. And I think I've said before from up, up here on the stage that I anticipated things getting easier as I got older. <laughs> That's not the case. And as an example, I brought this morning this book that I've read recently. And uh, the name of it, probably is not real fitting for today, but I can assure you it's nothing could be further from the truth than today's meaning for this. But it's written by Corrie ten Boom, Tramp for the Lord. She was uh, had been sheltering Jews in Holland, my, my motherland, in the Netherlands, and uh, she got taken to a Nazi concentration camp when she was 52 years old. She was subjected to all the all the things that happened there, stripped down naked, showered in front of the guards, mocked, ridiculed. And can you imagine, in your 50s already, being treated like a, like a cow, like an like a animal, loaded onto a, a stock car, a railroad car, herded around like a bunch of animals. And yet she maintained uh, her testimony for the gospel and for Christ all through that ordeal. This is what she says uh, at the end of her book. I wish that I could say after a long and fruitful life traveling the world 
after, obviously, she survived the uh, concentration camp, and she got out, and she traveled the next 30 years across the world telling her experience and bringing people, pointing people towards Jesus Christ. This is what she said. I wish I could say after a long and fruitful life traveling the world that I had learned to forgive all my enemies. I wish I could say that the merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me and on to others, but they don't. If there is one thing I've learned since I've passed my 80th birthday, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh from God each day. So at 80 years old, and and throughout the book, there's a couple other examples where she, she tells of when she would be offended or when she would be selfish with her time or when she would be unforgiving and uh got to tell you, it didn't give me a lot of hope first, but then I thought, you know what? (laughs) It does give me hope because each day you can go back to the well for more. And that is what I hope that we can do. I hope that I can do. Let's look at what Jesus said in John 6:35. I'm going to turn to He had just he had just uh, come from the experience of feeding the 5000, so satisfying them. They came to hear his teaching to be healed and they were hungry. He satisfied their hunger. Went down, they crossed the Sea of Galilee. He walked on the water, got to the other side. And the people came back. They, they, in the morning, they must have slept out on the mountainside. In the morning, they woke up. He's not there. They realize he's not there and that he must have crossed over to Capernaum. He, they go across and they show up again. And he says to them, Are you here to hear what I'm teaching? Or you just want your bellies filled again? And the truth is, they wanted their bellies filled again. They probably wanted to be healed, uh, any that were not. But this is what he said to them. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. A few chapters earlier, in his uh, encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman and Jesus were having an interaction and he asked her, can you draw me a cup of water out of the well? And she said, how can you ask me that? I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. And he goes on to explain to her, if you knew who was asking you, you would ask me for living water. And this is, she said, I want that living water, Lord, because I don't want to come to this well anymore. This is what he responded. Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well springing up to eternal life. So Jesus presents himself as our provider. If you are hungry, there is a place that you can be satisfied of your hunger. It's not not this satisfaction that we'll get in a few days here, but it's a hunger that can be satisfied and not have that hunger again when you know the source of who's providing it. 
We sang a song earlier today, uh, the last one, just before this meditation. I like. Can you put those uh, words back up on the screen? Take my life. Let's work our way through that. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. And uh, I listened to this like numerous times this past week as I was preparing to to talk to you this morning, and. This is a this is a tremendous song. If you look it up on YouTube or you have a recording of it, to prepare yourself for your devotions of the day or when you're meeting with God, um, look look at the words. Take my life, let it be consecrated, consecrated, set apart to Thee. And here you are, Lord. Have it. Have what you want. Go to the next one, please. And just in case, oh, there it is. Take my hands, let them move at the impulse of thy love. Mika was up here and she was talking about serving and reaching out. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. That's talking about presenting the gospel, going out with it, and being light unto a dark world that we have around us. We can go next. Take my voice and let me sing. And for some of us, that's better than others. Um, I'd have to say to God, take my voice, because if I'm doing it, uh, maybe it wouldn't be so so uh, satisfying. But always only for my king, not not to all kinds of other uh, entities, but only to God, for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. And then the next one. Did we sing that one? I didn't remember it. I was like panicking because it was like, oh, that's not in there. Here's a difficult one. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. It's a difficult one for Americans in particular uh, when we have been so blessed. When you are already filled to overflowing and then uh, you say, give some of this away, give some of that away. And the truth is, and you all know this too, it's not yours to begin with. It's all his to start with. So when we say, take my silver and my gold, we're really offering back to him what already is his. Um, take my intellect and use. Now that's a little different than uh, than what I had here. But I, I see that as well. Everything that you have, I had written down, take my moments and my days, let them flow with ceaseless praise. And then finally on to the last one. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thy own. Thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. One more, one more scripture verse for you. What did, what did Paul say to us in Romans? I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So, in the Old Testament times, they made altars out of stones, cut up wood, they would kill an animal, and lay it on the altar and burn it up as a sacrifice to God. Um, 
I think it was about a year ago, we were talking downstairs in the in the elementary class about Passover. And now, I just want you to know, if your kids come upstairs, sometimes we do things a little out of the ordinary. But we were talking about Passover and killing a lamb and all that. And so the kids were all sitting around the table. And I said to them, I said, and in the classroom next door, we have a lamb. And we're going to go over and we're going to sacrifice the lamb. And this morning, they're like, just, just, just kidding. But it is a reality. Uh, they would kill the animal, an innocent animal, a clean animal, and they would lay it on the altar and sacrifice it to God. Paul says to us, present yourself a living sacrifice. Well, the only problem that I see with a living sacrifice is, doggone thing keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. I find that in myself. I can sit here with you in a, in a seat in the morning and pray and uh, sing this song, Take My Will and Let It Be, uh, you know, fully yours. And I can drive out the parking lot and go down the street, and in, a, in minutes it's a battle again to have that will presented to God and submitted to him. Uh, it is a constant battle. And Paul says, present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. Do like Corey Tenboom. Daily offer yourself. Daily give yourself. Uh, daily present yourself. And, and I will strive to do that as well. Let's go back to that last verse. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart. It is thine own. I was thinking there was another another character in the Bible that was praying to God, and he said, Not my will, but thine. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, in that garden on the Mount of Olives. Um, our example, our, our Savior, our teacher, he said, not my will, but thine, God. And uh, he asks us to do the same thing. And he says to us this morning, are you weary and heavy laden? Come unto me. He says to us, I am the bread of life. You come and eat of this bread and you'll hunger no more. He says, I'm the living water. Come unto me and drink, and you'll not be thirsty again. And that is his invitation to us. And in a few minutes, holy smokes, I was rolling. In a few minutes, we're going to partake of communion. And Paul also urges us, as we prepare for that, as we prepare for Lord's Supper, to examine ourselves and see if we're in the faith See where our hearts are. Are we, are we depending on the one who is our righteousness, or are we righteous in our own being? And uh, I know where I am on that spectrum. Oftentimes, I climb my way up that ladder, uh, like the Pharisee did. And uh, you can see people... You can see people in the community or people that you work with that have 
any number of uh, issues in their life. People that have not been blessed as much as I have, I, I came from a stable family life. I came from a stable working family. I came from a stable community full of Hollanders that worked hard and prospered and had uh, steady, stable households. And I can, I can get quite a self-righteous attitude when I see, when I look around other communities or other people or I run into guys at work, that their lives are in chaos. It's just falling apart at the seams. Um, I don't need to elaborate to you. We, we can, you can watch the nightly news and see the destruction and the uh, chaos that reigns when people are not following after the one who gives life. So I, I find myself in that boat. And every time that we stop and have communion, I have to say, God, change my heart. Take my will and make it thine. Um, other Sundays we sing, a, we sing a song, All I Want, All I Need, More of You, Less of Me. Sometimes when we sing that song and the, the first line, All I Want, I have a hard time singing that sometimes because it's not all I want. Sometimes I want a lot different than that. Now it is true that all I need is more of you and less of me, but God needs to take control of me and change my will and make it his. And that is my daily prayer uh, for you all. I get your prayer requests and I pray for you uh, sometimes names that I don't recognize or don't know. But I pray for you, too, that you would make your will his. Give it to him.